Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unpack your knives and stay. Yes, stay. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Top Chef for Hop Up. I'm Haley Strong. I'm here, and I'm having a great time, and I can only imagine things are going to go up from here. Kurt Clark, do you feel the same? I I do, and to quote the original Jurassic Park, uh, hold on to your butts. (laughs) Was that a real quote from that movie? Yeah, I believe that it was uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Like when he was like turning some power back on at some point in the movie. I think I watched it once when I was young and I was traumatized. So I never watched it again. I watched it seven times in the theater. I'm blown away by that. I just enjoyed it so much that I went back and saw it multiple times with multiple people. It was a joy. Sorry. Anyway, I'm (laughs) I'm thrown by this. You know what else I'm thrown by? Our guest today, best friend of the podcast, is back again. Jim, what is this? Like seven years in a row? Six? Something like that? Welcome, Jim Smith. Jeff Jim Smith. Jeff Jim Charleston. It's great to be on with y'all. And it probably is six years. I guess it's been... I guess Charleston was season 14. And so now this... Maybe it's just four years. Uh, it's, this is 19, right? So five years then. Yeah. 15, yeah, 16, 17, years. 18, 19. Yeah. What a thrill. What a thrill to have you back. How have you been? Yeah. What have you been I've up been, to? What a I've year been great. it's been. Yeah, it has been a crazy year. I know that, um, you know, I'm still doing the same thing. I say, you know, like uh, I still own a restaurant and we are still alive, which is, uh, I think, says a lot about the restaurant and what we're doing here. And, you know, the Hummingbird Way opened January 7th of 2020. And so, you know, we really had two real months before the pandemic. And since then, we've been doing what every restaurant has been is, you know, to make it work every single day and trying to make cool food and trying to figure out how to keep people happy in weird times. And I'm just in the restaurant a lot. And actually, you know, we're recording on Easter Sunday, which uh, for people who work in the restaurant industry understand that Easter Sunday is a giant brunch day and it was no different here. Uh, it was a, a crazy day and uh, we survived brunch. And now, now I'm in an empty restaurant, which is like one of the most calming parts <laughs> of the, of, of the day of my day in the restaurant. And nothing's going on. It's there's no music, no, no, no intoxicated yet. Asks no, you know, wondering if the staff is going to show up. So this is a very uh, relaxing part of the day and a, a, a very fun time to be in the restaurant. What are some of the, were there any uh, Easter brunch specials at the Hummingbird Way? 
You know, we I really stay away from specials. Uh, we run our regular menu for brunches. Okay. Well, there are some brunch items added to the menu. Like we do a cool pancake, and we do a just a simple grits and eggs plate. Lots of our lots of our food is brunch friendly anyway. As an oyster bar, so like you know raw oysters and crab claws, and lots of good seafood options. And we almost always have a crab cake. So our regular dinner menu is very brunch friendly itself. So. Uh, not a whole lot. We did add lamb today, which I was excited about. That was kind of huh. not really a special, but it's something that's definitely seasonal and, and kind of Easter specific. Nice. Well, glad that it's still going strong for you. That's awesome. And I know that <laughs> yeah. like, I think when we were, I still remember a couple of years ago, we were like, you know, everyone get out there and get, and get takeout because you can't, you, you can, you know, it's, it's all curbside, but now you're, you're back and open. Yeah, we've been open for, I mean, uh, the interior of the restaurant was probably only closed for maybe maybe four or five months, and we okay. did stop operations for uh, one month altogether just to sort of figure out what was going on, sort of when the newness of curbside and delivery wore off. And it was definitely a very questionable time, but you know, I, I think we made good choices, you know, and we're, we're still probably one of the only restaurants. I have been going to more and more restaurants and experiencing what's going on, especially in the South. You know, we still do uh, masks for our employees and we still do social distancing. And so there really aren't many restaurants doing that kind of stuff anymore. I was in Charleston a few weeks ago and went to the sushi bar, which was awesome. Such a great meal. But, you know, the sushi bar has like 10 seats and there's like three other tables and like every seat was was filled with people. And so it is weird getting out and being in those kind of situations again. But, yeah, you know, it's. I, I hope things are turning in the right direction, you know? Yeah. So what do you think? What are you thinking of the, this season? Top Chef Houston. Are you, have you, are you familiar with the food, food scene in Houston? Because you're not too far from there. Yeah, I think Houston is about five and a half or so hours from Mobile. It's, uh, you know, like New Orleans is kind of like a halfway point, I think, between here and Houston. I have not been to Houston, but I do know chefs from Houston. And I know it's an awesome food scene. It's, I mean, it's a big city. It's a... I, I, it's like the fifth largest city in the country or something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's really a huge city. So there's tons of food options and lots of good, lots of good, and lots of, lots of great kind of, there's a cool, really cool scene. And uh, one thing for sure that I really hope that we get into this season, which hasn't happened yet, is Houston is on the coast. And, you know, there has not been a seafood challenge or, you know, any of those, any Houston Gulf related challenges. And because there are, there is great seafood in Houston. Yeah, that's a great point. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. And like we've seen people cook fish and stuff. And and we've had like last episode, we had Joe mention like the, the shrimp and everything. So, yeah, that's a great point. I would love to also see like an AC food challenge coming up. But yeah, this was a, I would say this probably wasn't one of my favorite episodes this season. Again, this season's been so strong that it's like hard to find a low point. Um, but it's always interesting when they make these, uh, um, you know, a sponsored challenges for the elimination. Yeah, I saw in the in the show description that they were doing a kind of a Nigerian uh, pairing challenge, um, and I but that was and that was all I saw in the chat. Like it, that's all I saw in the description, so I assumed it was going to be the the elimination challenge. I was a little bit surprised to see that be the quick fire, but uh, at the same time, it was it was it was nice to see that variety. I think I thought that was a really interesting challenge. I've only I'm trying to remember. I think I've only had. Um, is it pretty, if camera is it Eva or Eba? 
the swallow. The, the, sec, the second one, the second uh, one that's made of cassava. Uh, I think that's the only one I've I've ever had. There was uh, when I lived in Chicago, I had ordered dinner from a a Nigerian restaurant once just to try it, and it came with that. I, I didn't know at the time what it was, what it was called a swallow, but it was. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was that it was that that lump that you used to 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 swipe up the the uh, the, the the main dish. So it was it was pretty tasty. Yeah, I'm a fan of the swallows, you know, and um, they are. Yeah, I'm not. I I do know pretty a, a decent bit about uh, food from West Africa and sort of African cuisine in general. Uh, it's so closely related to Southern cuisine, mm. um, and they they share tons of flavor, similar you know ingredients and flavors, and you know lots of lots of the same. Yeah, Southern food has a lot of the same roots in West African cuisine, um, but swallows are really cool. And it's a good, it's a great vehicle for whatever stew you're going to have. I did, I did think that was awesome when Jay described it as, um, she said it's a lot like uh, those glutinous uh, Korean uh, noodles. You know, they're, they're like, you get a Korean rice noodle dish and you get these sort of big, uh, thick fat noodles, which are chewy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really similar to those in texture and, and the flavor is really mild on all of them. So a great, great ingredient to work with. I thought this was a cool challenge. Yep. I, yeah. I thought it was an awesome challenge. I'm really excited by what they're doing, branching out into other um, cuisines that aren't often highlighted in food television in general. So that was really exciting. So uh, they had to create a dish to pair with a Nigerian swallow. Um, they had to pull knives for three options. There is Ian, which is pounded yams, Eba, which is cassava, and Amala, which is green plantains. And they kind of had to make something that's based on that. Uh, so this was really cool. It was interesting. Um, and I think they were pretty creative with it. Uh, Jackson, who has still been on fire, um, he was at the top um, with his snapper with tomato sauce and herb salad. Uh, Jim, how do you? What are you thinking about Jackson's um, storyline that he can't he can't taste or smell anything? I am a little bit confused because I want to say maybe in like episode four he said that his taste was mostly back, but he didn't have his smell a sense of smell. And then he talked about how smell and taste were related. Um, I'm not really. Sh- it's wild to me. I mean, you can depend on other people tasting and you learn how much to season things through muscle memory, but nothing takes the place of actually tasting what your food is, what your food is like. I mean, did y'all, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you might want to say, did y'all have COVID at some point and lose your sense of taste and smell? Knock on wood. No, I don't think I, never, I haven't lost my taste or, or sense. Well, some people say I've never had any taste, uh, <laughs> but the, I, I don't believe I've had COVID. I've not, I've, I've not felt like, the the symptoms so um but so as far as i know i've i've not had that but i've uh i've, I've definitely not lost my sense of taste or so that would i would i would hate it i think just given the amount i love food yeah i've heard a lot of people who like lose their sense of taste with it like just straight up are like there's there's like no point in eating like you don't want to eat anything everything's just like you have to find something with texture because like you're not getting anything else yeah i i, I go lose my sense of taste and smell it was not for that long, uh, I got it sort of in the in the Delta wave of COVID, um, and even though you couldn't, I couldn't taste or smell anything. I could kind of sense if things were salted. If that if that makes any sense, it was like one of the oh. only sensations I could tell. Huh. You know, it was like, um, and I know that's kind of a, a weird thing, but it was like one of the only things that I could I could experience. And you know, of course, being a chef, you know, I'm super nervous. You're like, will it come back? You know, am I going to lose this forever? You know, what's what's going on you know we had to we closed the restaurant for 14 days because there was you know 
a handful of the staff did. And so it was a, it was a, definitely a weird time. And, but at the same time, it, it was, as soon as the, the taste and smell started coming back, it, it may, I may have, they may have returned more sensitive or at least oh, the, rec- the, the recognition of what those tastes and flavors and seasonings were may just be, may have been ob- more obvious to see uh, or to taste or to experience. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, I think that, I don't know. I'm sure he's having a difficult time. I, I hope he gets his sense of taste and smell back sometime soon. You know, if he's in the finale, there's probably a good chance that there's a break, a, a break, maybe, maybe in that break period, he'll have a chance to, to bounce it back. You know, I, there were also other things too, like, and, you know, people were saying, you know, eat really spicy foods and do things to try to try to like kickstart your sense of taste. I'm sure there's no science behind any of that kind of stuff, but I was trying anything and everything to, to, to make it happen. Yeah. I was just going to ask, could you tell when things were spicy? I mean, a, a little bit. Like, I really could. It was a very strange sensation. Like, you know, you're eating, you know, it should taste like things. And you know, you know what it should taste like. You can see what it is you're eating. But at the same time, you know, I, it's hard to know if your brain is tricking yourself into thinking because you see a bunch of hot mm-hmm. chili peppers in there that it, yeah. it, your your mouth should be burning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it was difficult and and strange for sure. But how long was it before it returned for you? I really less than a month. I mean, it was okay. maybe, maybe like two and a half, three weeks. Cause I was, when I was in uh, London on vacation a few weeks ago, I went on a walking food tour of the East end. And one of the women uh, on the tour was talking about how she had had COVID and her taste had like left for like six months. And I was like, I can't even imagine. So I hope, hopefully Jackson's is, is on the return. Like you said, if there is that, if he does make it to the finals and there's that gap before, between the last episode and the actual the, the final, hopefully it will have returned. And I think we were even just talking like last week, I think about the, you know, there's the, the occasional quick fire where you have to, you know, blindfold and taste the elements. It's like, I kind of want to see that happen just to see how Jackson does slash reacts to it. But I have a feeling, um, I have a feeling we're not going to going to see that. So I am surprised he hasn't disclosed to the other, to the other chefs. I mean, maybe maybe he's doing that strategically so they don't like totally mislead him on yeah. you know, whether something needs salt or not. But that doesn't seem like a Top Chef thing to do. Like, it's not like Survivor and Big Brother. Like, it always, especially within the last, I'd say, five or six years of Top Chef, it's really turned into more of like a camaraderie than like a competition. Yeah, it's the help help people plate. Yeah, you know, when people are rushing at the end, it's a, it's it's it's. It's becoming a little bit more like Bake Off in that sense, where like mm-hmm. people will help each other out. <laughs> um, I think because I just finished up the season that Sophie won. <laughs> oh, uh, nice! I think nice. it was. I think that might have been the first uh, Noel, Noel and Sandy season. Yeah, and and Prue, right? And Prue, Prue yeah. spoiled that season, eh? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Prue accidentally, like a couple hours before it aired, like tweeted something like, "Congratulations oh. to to Sophie." <laughs> oh. So yeah. I'm, I'm two in 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 that news. I am, I think, two seasons from being caught up. So anyway, uh, yeah, the camaraderie is nice to see. I'm hoping that I know I I'd said I, I didn't reach out to Jackson on Twitter. Uh, I, I said I was going to after last week. But I, I forgot to. So um, we'll 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 see if he does how that transforms. But it was good to see him in the top. Yeah. Uh, Luke made chicken thighs with bitter greens and dried crayfish broth. Um, Buddha, he made shrimp and guinea fowl with peanuts and fried plantains, and he ended up winning this challenge. Um, mm. What do you what have you been thinking about Buddha and Luke's trajectory this season so far? Uh, well, I, first of all, I think that Luke... I, well, 
And I think I may have said this the last time I was on this podcast that like every chef like me wants to have that experience of like working at a place like Noma and really sort of getting there and understanding what's going on. And it is really difficult. I think he said in this episode that he had had a good bit of time off between cooking and when Top Chef filmed. And it's got to be because he is right. You know, he has people have such high expectations for him because he worked at such a great restaurant. But, you know, like if you look at Noma and sort of understand what their menu, there's like tons of fermented stuff. Things are oftentimes very ingredient specific for a course. You know, it is all a bunch of course. Now, he was a sous chef, which means that he probably had his hands in a whole lot of stuff that was going on. I do think that sometimes when chefs come on Top Chef and they have a really good resume, if they work at some, you know, great New York restaurant, if you... Are, are, are sort of doing like their, their catering. Like you may spend years making one profiterole and you may be awesome at making that profiterole and you may see all of the other amazing stuff that is being made in a restaurant like that. But you're not, a lot of times, if your staff is a hundred people, you may just be doing this one very narrow specific thing every day for a long time. And that's how those restaurants are so consistently good is because those people are trained in the, the minutia of those individual dishes. So I think sometimes those chefs have a hard time transferring. I'm not saying that's him at all because he was a sous chef at Noma and was there for like, like eight and a half years. But, you know, if Noma, if, if, if half of your dishes include something that is fermented that may have been fermenting for a month and a half, that becomes really hard to translate into a dish that you're supposed to, you know, a, a quick fire challenge where it's, you have 20 minutes to make something. I think that, I think maybe the, I don't know. I want to see him do really well. Like I want him to make one of these spectacular dishes because what he's making is looking beautiful, but it seems like he's just sort of consistently having this issue with like seasoning or the doneness of the meat or, you know, something that's more technical, which I do, I do feel bad, bad for him like that. You know, Buddha on the same hand is in the same kind of situation where he has a awesome resume with all these incredible restaurants, but he's having a much easier job of transferring that to dishes in, in the competition. You know, every. Every, like there's not a dish that he's made where I haven't been like, oh, I really want to eat that. Like I, I want, yeah. I want to eat like everything that he's making, and it all looks totally spectacular. So, you know, not to mention his that pastry background is clearly really good. He's just, uh, he's definitely one of my favorites for the season. Yeah, he's just he's so interesting. Like, and he's doing really interesting things, and I. I I like what he's doing. I would say I wish he did speak up a little more in this episode in the elimination challenge. I think he could have um I think he maybe could have helped his team out and I don't know if he was kind of just like, hey, like everyone kind of on their own or whatever, but we'll we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, um, I, will, I, I will say about that. Like if you're on a team of 3 and you have immunity and the other two don't, I, if I were him, I would be doing the same thing. I would like they are made they it, it's their kind it's their this is their challenge to win or lose. I will make fair. an awesome dish, but I will do whatever they want me to do. You know, like I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna start criticizing them because then then you know you don't want them to blame you for making a decision that sends them home. You want to have have them be in the driver's seat. That's an excellent point. And it looks like I think like to you know jumping ahead slightly to the elimination challenge. That looks like exactly what had happened is that or at the very least he didn't drag them down into the bottom three. If anything, like he was like, I think, you know, Padme, I think, well, was, was it just two weeks ago where we saw, uh, uh, or last week where we saw Ashley was in the bottom, but she had immunity and, but they still put her in the bottom three. Whereas, uh, here they're like, you know, booty, even if you got, even if you didn't have immunity, you're fine. You're not going home. You were the, probably the, the, a great dish. Although uh. just thinking of like Luke's, Luke's never like Luke's never been in the top 
and has been in the bottom of several times. Luke was so, in the top one time, I think. Maybe, maybe it was in the week that I didn't take the maybe. notes maybe. on the dishes. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, I think that's probably what it was. Um, so Ashley made a Sukumo wiki with grilled shrimp. Jamar made scotch bonnet and shrimp uh, stew with diced pineapple. And Nick made okra stew with chicken thighs and crab. So Jamar was in the top. Nick was in the bottom. I was a little worried about Jamar in this challenge because he was kind of like, oh, I think I might have gone overboard with the spice. Um, but I I would eat pineapple and truly any dish so i would probably gravitate towards here even though the scotch bonnet would probably murder me as you say the scotch bonnet's on is that is that above or below carolina reaper i think it's below carolina reaper okay. reaper but it's definitely above habanero like it's they're generally it's so spicy. super super spicy and if there was a challenge to really like unleash the spice especially given the judges that are there and the style of food they're cooking this is going to be the one you know you don't really have to worry about tom like blowing out Tom's palate. You know, you know, you know, you know Padma is going to embrace the spicy food. I expect that uh, Kwame and uh, what was the other guy's name? Oh yeah, Ope would do the, would do the same thing. Good yeah, to see Kwame again. again. Yeah, it was great to see Kwame again. And I did look up uh, Ope's restaurant, um, and I, I think it's a restaurant. It looks like it may be a delivery service as well, but it looks really great. There's some really cool stuff on. It's called um, what's it called? It's called. Um, chop and block. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Evelyn made tamarind and chicken wing stew. Joe made chicken and kale stew with suya and mango spice. Jay made poached mackerel and wilted arugula and beef stew. Uh, the sixth spice girl. Mango <laughs> spice. Mango spice. <laughs> Um, Evelyn out of this group was in the bottom, uh, which is a shame because I love the sound of her chicken wings too. Like, absolutely sign me up for that. But it just, I think the tamarind was what it kind of took it into too much of a sweet territory. Even though she's not on my draft team, I just have been looking more and more forward to like Evelyn just winning. But so it was disappointing to see her in the bottom. She is on my draft team, and I also share the same sentiment. <laughs> Um, and then she, Joe she's is, just been crushing it. I was—I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. her. She's just no, 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 go, go, go for it. She yeah. is consistently really good, and they love everything she's making. It's so really—it's great to see the, the the local talent really really shine through. Yeah, and our our uh, our guest for the for the quick fire was like, "Hi, Evelyn! Hi!" Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. yeah, I love it. It's so cute. Um, yeah, Joe and Jay were both in the middle for this. Uh, like I said, Budo Budo won this one. He gets immunity for our elimination challenge. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No and the elimination challenge, boy, is it an interesting one. Sponsored challenge. <laughs> Brought hey, to but- you by Jurassic World Dominion. Hey, b- before we move on, can I talk a little bit about sort of um, something that's really near and dear to my heart? Been yeah, something that, that I have sort of issues with and grapple with on a daily basis is that, um, you know, food from the African diaspora are really amazing to me and really interesting. And the reason why those foodways are so close to Southern foodways is obviously slavery. I didn't mean to. I, I mean, earlier I said, you know, African food and Southern food are really similar. But the, the, the reason why is, is the most terrible reason imaginable. Um, and so, you know, these, you know, people are, you know, captured and forced into slavery and brought over and they bring their food traditions with them to a new place. And that's part of what makes it, you know, that's what makes Southern food what it is. And really a lot of American food has a lot of these kind of traditions from overseas in it. Um, and for me, it's oftentimes hard to grapple with, you know, um, I like I, I cook Southern food and, you know, not all of my food is Southern. It's a lot, a lot of it's that we use lots of Asian ingredients. We do. There's a really sort of I, I like to use a lot of different ingredients and styles when I'm cooking food. Um, but for me, you know, I would never, ever say, you know, what I serve is soul food or, you know, what I serve, you know, like really gets me. Is like uh, if you see like been in the South, they're not from Nashville, for instance, but they open up a Nashville hot chicken restaurant and they totally crush it. They're making tons of money. And it feels to me like there's this real sort of like commodification and, you know, exploitation of food that maybe people isn't related to this. For me, maybe it's just an excuse I make. But, you know, like if I, when I make collard greens, I'm making the collard greens that, you know, my they're made and you know the sort of the styles of food that i grew up eating which are southern food but which are intimately tied to the horrible traditions of slavery and what brought those foods to the to the united states anyway and so you know like i would never say you know come and get fried chicken and soul food in my restaurant um but it's really it's it, it's important for people to understand you know why we had these food traditions and how they ended up getting here and people like Ashley are doing an amazing job and Demar like I, I don't know a lot about Demar's restaurant but he does serve Southern food in Chicago that's based on, I think a lot of it may be based on his family traditions and sort of experiencing what's going on in the world and so it's it's a real fine line like you want to celebrate these foods at the same time you want to understand how they ended up in America. You know, as soon as as soon as okra is available, as soon as we can get it from local farmers, it'll be on our menu. It's one of my most favorite things to eat. Um, but it's just it is really important to understand where this food is coming from. And that's why I do think like this are so important, because when I these foods to me, like when, when you look at uh, suya and like the list of ingredients are things that I work with every day and I use this common together very often you know you're talking about peanut peanut powder paprika smoked paprika 
ginger, garlic. You know, these are things that are all very important to Southern cuisine and and they got here in a very specific, terrible way. So it's something that I grapple with, uh, you know, all the time. And, you know, it's, it's a, it is about finding the right respect and balance and uh, appreciation and figuring out the way to do it where you don't feel like dirty for selling food that has, you know, got to America through slavery. So I, I, I don't really, it's, it's hard to deal with, but it's something that I think about regularly. It's, oh. it's, I imagine it's a fine line between celebration and appropriation. Yeah, and, no doubt. And, and, um, and I think it all, and not being a chef, I guess I, I can't speak to this entirely, but I think, you know, I imagine that, you know, intent and follow through is probably a, a big element of it in terms of like, you know, is there education that's coming along with it in terms of like just you know, informing people like this, this is, you know, this is on my menu, but this is kind of what its roots are. Uh, so, but the, the, and I imagine then that I, and this is more of a, I guess a, a geographic cultural question. Does Texas, is Texas considered part of the South? Yeah, Texas is definitely part of the South, but Texas is for sure its own thing. Its own like thing. It, okay. it's very, it, I would say that there's a real difference between the deep South, like right. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, the, the Florida panhandle, Louisiana. And then Texas, you know, Texas starts here, yeah. you're, you're moving westward, but for sure, all uh, Houston, yes. Houston is way more deep south than like Dallas or Austin are. And I imagine the impact then that else, even that the, that kind of import of, you know, African traditions and cooking is probably, even though it's, it's impacted, it's probably impacted the cooking in Texas in a slightly different way than it's impacted in, in, in say, you know, Alabama or Louisiana. It's just, Okay, just just making sure that that I was understanding correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some some of it just sometimes it just makes me like really like sometimes I'll see like restaurants that label themselves soul food really have people who probably should not be marketing themselves or their restaurant in that way because it really starts to feel dirty because it's not connected to their individual traditions. It's more of a, a marketing scheme, and that mm-hmm. it just feels really icky you know yeah not yeah. cool we appreciate you mentioning that as well for sure uh the elimination challenge here each dish each team must create a three course progressive menu that represents a sea air and land dinosaur in honor of jurassic park dominion a movie i will not go see jurassic world let's get it straight <laughs> but we saw the return of chris and anna they because they've been on Top Chef before, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Yeah, really? but that wasn't Anna. That was that was um, Top Chef. Yeah, 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 yeah. We saw the Pratt. return of Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, sans Anna Ferris, they are no longer. Uh, it was, that, it was, was an, it, that was an Anna Ferris. It was Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it was right. very much not. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, a, I didn't know they weren't together, but b, you're right. It was Bryce Dallas Howard. I. I Yes, I completely, upon flashing back, acknowledge that it was Anna Ferris, but I did not know they weren't still together. He's no, he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter now. I don't follow this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my that's my uh, my impact here. Is the yeah, but no, you're a hundred percent correct. That's Bryce Dallas Howard. I recognize her from the movie. I feel stupid now. Let's continue. <laughs> I can't wait to not go see this movie. However. I was so excited thinking, to see Joe Flam. I love Joe Flam. <laughs> he was like, "Okay, I'll put the stupid hat on." Uh, he, 
I, I was a little bit confused about the rules at first because I was like, I wasn't sure are is like each team one, one is there an thing? air team, a land yeah. team? And then I was like, okay, no. So it's each team is comprised of one of these animals and they can't put the courses into whatever order they want to. There was like a fixed order. So all yeah. of the land courses were at the same time or they were the same position in the progressive menu. So um, it took me a little bit of, to me, this was more confusing than the football challenge with the downs and everything. Uh, so. And they, and they wanted the menu to be progressive, but it's not like you're tasting the three progressive dishes in a row. You're tasting mm-hmm. three individually, you know, like yeah. three peoples can. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was really strange. It yeah, was it's really like, strange. It's like you have the end of one. Like you eat one team's first course last, but then you eat a different team's second course first. And you're like, you're not following it. Oh, that would just that that bugs me from an OCD perspective. Now that you mention it, yeah, like because the what was it? The first episode of the season, we did have like it wasn't necessarily like a progressive menu. It was like all dishes have to like make sense together, and they were all eaten three at the same time. Like I do think they should have presented one menu at a time so that you can see that natural progression. I I didn't yeah I didn't love the way this was presented. Nor did I find that. Um, I, I didn't really feel like the teams did like super. I, I just sure there was progression, but I didn't always feel like the connection. Well, I think I, I the at least the winning team had the, and I don't know if this is like oversimplification. But at least they had the pecan theme yeah. all the way through. I that agree. Was, that was you. the only that was the only progressive element that we heard about in the show at all except for them saying it was supposed to be progressive and re- related to each other in a way. Yeah, and I just yeah. didn't yeah, I just didn't feel like they connected super well. So, um the red team featuring Buddha, Joe and Jay, um Buddha had the first course, the sea, uh he made smoked alligator potato beets and salmon roe with alligator cream. Okay, a quick question. Yes. I've I'm guessing this isn't directed towards me. <laughs> no, it's directed towards both of you. I've been to Whole Foods many times and I've never walked out of there with a whole alligator in a bag. So where did he get that protein? Because I don't think he got it at Whole Foods. So, so Jim, I guess this, this part is towards Jim. Is there the, uh, I, I, cause I think the, the chefs are allowed to bring, am I correct in thinking an element from home as well? I'm guessing he didn't bring an alligator in a white hefty bag, but. <laughs> The do we know where he would have gotten an alligator if not at Whole Foods? Are there other opportunities to source? I don't think so. I, I, I what I suspect has is they've been going to the same Whole Foods for a little bit, and they probably have a whole alligator on display in their seafood aisle. And I bet that the chefs were all like, "Somebody's going to get that," you know what I mean? And uh, I, I suspect that that's what was going on. Or you know, you can talk to the butchers in Whole Foods and ask them what sort of larger cuts they have. And if they if they if the chefs are noticing that they always have alligator, they somebody probably just asked, "Are you butchering the alligator? What parts are available?" Um, okay, it's because I've never been to a Whole Foods that has had alligators as an indigenous species in the area. I will say, like, there's no there's no Whole Foods at the or no alligators in the Whole Foods in Chicago or in Redondo Beach. Um, so. I guess maybe in Florida and the Gulf Coast and, and Houston, uh, maybe that's a thing. But I was like, I was thrown when I saw him just basically pulling out this whole alligator, like from head to tail. Like, so 
uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it's because like, okay, whoever gets immunity next has to take the alligator. Like maybe it was like a dare, <laughs> it, but he, but you know, he did get the, the sea challenge. So, and alligator, I don't even want to know about alligator cream. So I'm just not going to go there. <laughs> yeah. This was another like gorgeous dish by Buddha and they were obsessed with it. And, you know, I love that Buddha, even though he has immunity, he always tries something different and like, doesn't just make a, like a, cold salad every time he has immunity like he actually really throws the ball out there far it it's like again looking at what jackson did with his dish i think all of these dishes could have been and maybe this is sacrilege like rainforest cafe up like like go a little <laughs> bit tourist trappy like like make this the food that they would serve at jurassic world slash park like he had the like he had the alligator head, uh, like do something. I was like, expecting him to, to for sure to see the alligator head in some way on, yeah. on the on a plate, or arrange like the teeth around the outside of the plate or something like something that makes it a little bit more prehistoric. I don't know, but but the 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 dish apparently was the highlight of the red team. Yeah, and and it's funny to me that they really wanted the theatrical element of it because it kind of reminds me of. Um, I uh, I guess it was Top Chef Boston when Katsuji went out with the uh, the Stephen King dish. Like he went really literal, and maybe it's just because the dish actually wasn't that good. But they were like thrown off by like the bloodiness of it. So I was really surprised to see Tom here being like, "Where's the gore?" I'm like, "Who are we talking about? What the is happening, Tom?" The challenge that was so great that was like this was the one when they did like I think it was Snow White and the Huntsman. That to me is yeah. still oh, one of my I favorite ones ever. You know, one of those. I still remember one of those dishes. I don't remember who made it, but it was like a black chicken leg where you, you know the claw was still on there, blood on the plate. And I think that they wanted the chefs to go in that direction, but I'm I'm not sure that they were like given the instruction. Like we really want you. Dinosaur, you getting that instruction, even though that's clearly seemed like what Tom wanted. Yeah, it would it would have been nice if they'd steered them in that direction. Maybe they were afraid. Like I'm even thinking back to the drive-in theater challenge from last season. Like I mean, they, I think I think they were underwhelmed then as well by how non-theatrical and fun the dishes were. I think they were hoping that this would be a little bit more fun than uh, than than it turned out to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, Joe made barbecue stuffed quail with romesco and roasted carrots. Uh, she ran into some issues with her kale being overdone and her carrots being boring as heck. Well, she did also didn't get to sauce the carrots as much as I think she wanted to. I think that was another issue. It sounded like the time, or can't remember if it was the time or just the amount of sauce like didn't cover the carrots. Um, but the yeah, she had she had some uh issues with. Quetzalcoatlus, the air dinosaur. I refuse to pronounce any of them. I noticed. I noticed you skipped that. I was. I. I, I got your back. I don't have the skill nor the desire. <laughs> um, and Joe ended up actually going out with this dish, which was sad to see. We'll 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 eulogize her a bit later. Um, Jay, she made a lamb duo, a spiced rack of lamb and a lamb meatball with pickled napa cabbage. Now, if you're a fan of Top Chef. I feel like you know that Tom always says, why make two mediocre dishes when you can make one really good dish? And I feel like Jay, her downfall 
was that she was trying to focus on so many different elements that none of the elements were that good. Yeah, I feel that way for sure. Like I, she probably should have done a little bit more homework on this. You know, like if she had left the chop off the plate altogether and just done the meatball, at least it would have been controversial. Like Tom clearly at the end didn't like the meatball, but you heard Joe say that he wasn't sure why he liked the meatball, but he kept going back and eating it because he, he because he thinks it's good. And so, and they they kind of, they liked the cabbage, and so she would have just been much better off editing, doing one one type of lamb and doing it better. And I'm thinking, like, it would have been it would have been kind of funny if she'd done goat instead of lamb, only because going back to the very first movie where they changed. Oh the, yeah, where, that's where a great changed. call. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I think I just I just wanted to see more kind of callbacks to the to the well at least the the first movie because that's the only one I remember clearly. Yeah, I, I do. Remember, I, I do. I really liked it when Joe referenced the kids eating dish and they flashed it on the screen because that's definitely a part, a really specific part of them. It's right before the finale, like the kids and um, the grandfather, what's his name, are, are eating at the Jurassic Park restaurant. You see this plate of like sliced chicken and fried carrots on top come out. And uh, it, it was a good callback. I'm glad that's, that's the reason why she put carrots on that dish. At least that's what she said. And so I, I, I wish there had been more of that. The goat is a great idea. It would have been nice if also if they had... Um able to screen one of the movies i don't know if they they made maybe not the the new maybe not jurassic world dominion but maybe like even just the original one just for inspiration or something i think that would have been kind of a good uh kind of build on the challenge i would have opted out i would have been like no please don't make me do this i can't watch that movie it's too scary the triceratops dung this one was the stegosaurus i remember which it was scary i don't like scary movies uh, the green team, they were they were our, our, our middle group. Uh, Jamar started off the meal with Duke of Fried Oysters and Fresno Chow Chow and Oyster Cream. This looked really cool. I loved what he did with it. I love that he like put the little oyster on top of the Chow Chow so it stayed out of the broth and it didn't get all like mushy. I, I love Jamar so much. Um, and now and now that Monique is gone, his love, he can really focus on on Top Chef. His his mind is in the game. Yeah, yeah. I thought Demar's dish was awesome. Like that, that's definitely one of those ones that were on this list of the ones that I would really want to eat. And you know, it just it looked beautiful. Caviar cream is awesome. Actually, I had when I ate it, I ate it in one of Tom's restaurants a few years ago, and he had made an amazing dish with a, a caviar cream. It looked very similar to the way this one came out at the end, and it's a really cool component and interesting. Works really well with the acidity of the chow chow. I like that Kwame described it as the best chow chow he'd ever had, and so uh, this dish just looked to me spectacular. Was did did Tom was Tom there when you went to his restaurant? No, or at least oh. if he was, he didn't come out and say hi or anything. So, <laughs> so no, he wasn't. He would have definitely. He would have definitely. Come. <laughs> um, Ashley made a shito wing with watermelon relish. Again, this was not one of the favorites of the judges. This is probably their least favorite on the green team. Um, you know, and after Ashley made it back into um, into the competition, I really just wanted her to flourish. I feel like she hasn't quite found her feet yet, which is really disappointing because I, I like what Ashley adds to the show. I really like Ashley. And actually, I, I met Ashley um, at Charleston Wine a few, food a few weeks ago. 
She seemed incredibly nice, like really cool, fun person to hang out with. And I've been rooting for her all season. I just really want her to, to make, to make it happen. It's, I don't know. Things just aren't quite firing on all the right cylinders in these challenges for her. And I really hope, I really hope that she can figure it out before it's too late. Yeah. And I feel bad because it seems like she's getting discouraged and feeling like she's not as good as her other competitors when that's not the case. It's just the competition itself. Top chef is top chef doesn't always mean you're the best chef in the entire world. It means you're good at a reality television game show. Which involves cooking, but it doesn't always, you know, I've done it. I've done a, I've done a big rewatch in the last few few months of like all the seasons. And I think it was Top Chef Colorado where the first woman who went out, who was just like, honestly, I just don't think this is my playground. Like Top Chef is just not what I, where I flourish. And that's fine. I I liked how Ash I, until you said this I had forgotten I was like so I got the giant flying dinosaur and I'm making wings because I'm creative <laughs> and she said like with with that level of enthusiasm you could tell that she was she seemed a little just bit a little bit like deflated uh, coming into this one um, although the watermelon relish I've never had and sounds like it would be quite refreshing. Um, I don't know if that's a, a kind of a tie back to some of her Appalachian cooking, uh, but uh, at the very least, I, I would have wanted to try that. Yeah, no doubt. It looked good. I don't think that she, you know, I make some watermelon relish a good bit of time. I almost always use the like pickled rinds in the relish okay. as well. I'm not sure that there were any rinds pickled in there. It looked mostly like uh, the red part of the meat, yeah. but it, it did look awesome. Like I, I, Everything about that dish looked like it was going to eat really well, but as soon as Tom said, "What do you feel about the chicken wing?" I was like, "Oh no, this is this is the part where, uh, you know, she's going to get in trouble." And you know, it's, I don't know, it's got to be crazy. You know, those those simple the fundamentals are what always has to happen. You know, and if your if your fried chicken wing is well, Tom called it flabby, and I was like, "Oh no, that's, no. That, that does not that does bode well." So that's it's like, like the worst to... descriptor of chicken, except like undercooked. Yeah, yeah. raw. <laughs> the yeah, like yeah, you think you could have like arranged it on a plate, so like maybe they're like two wings, so they look like they're spread, and you use the the relish to make some sort of like <laughs> dinosaur, dinosaur, or like something in the claw or something. I don't know, but yeah, that could have been fun. Um, and then Luke made a Mongolian beef inspired braised short rib and with broccoli, onions, and seaweed broth. Um, This is probably something that I would gravitate towards. Now, what I'm having trouble with with this menu is that none of it makes sense together to me. Like, not one part of it connects to another part. Not not at all. (laughs) And neither neither really did the first one, thinking about it. No, it didn't. But this really felt very disconnected. Like, I think a Duke of Fried Oyster in the same progressive meal as, like, Mongolian beef inspired dish like and like a watermelon relish like none of that makes any progressive sense to me except that you're like well this is a small one this is a medium one this is a big one like it just it didn't work for me as a progression yeah I did not even consider that but you're completely right like none of it makes sense uh, together like I feel like if they were actually told to make a progressive meal and that was like a component of it like the first two should have gotten dinged like hardcore. Like, and I don't feel like they really mentioned that they weren't particularly progressive menus. Yeah. Uh, really strange. I mean, really 
I, I mean, maybe maybe it was just Padma said progressive and they edited that in. Not what they were instructed, you know. It's hard to imagine that the the, that the chef testants would just be like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, like we're, it's about the same dinosaur, you know, or whatever their strategy was for making these dishes." It just seems like they were all individually done. Hmm. Yeah, and I wish they got to choose where in the progression their thing went. I think that would have been more interesting because then we're seeing like a lot of like small seafood bits. When I feel like it would have been cool to see like fish as like a second course or something like that. Um, The Brown team, I thought, was the easy winners from the sound of their menu. It sounded progressive. And maybe that's just because Jackson went off the board and did a cake. I love that for him. I love that they went dessert. Um, They started off with Nick's crab croquette with pepper puree and pecans. It seemed like the first course from everyone, the first course across the board was their favorite. Nick's was probably their least favorite of the three, but they still really enjoyed it. They just wanted more sauce with this dish. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. This whole, this is the menu I would order. Agreed. Um, I'm just, I was just thinking your, your comment about Jackson and the dessert is like the, it seems at least Jay and Luke interpreted land as this has to be a like a, a, a meat a meat bison protein or a beef, it. yeah, yeah. So I like that he went uh, off the board with that, and you know, it was like, and, and not to again play the creative card, yeah. Like his his was obvious. Like they're waiting to see that. Like it came out that. with the bloody footprint yeah. on there, and Tom's like, "This is what I wanted to see." It's like <laughs> like it would have been great if somebody had made like something like a dessert where it was like something preserved in amber, like something, I don't know what, what that would be or how you would make like that. Like a candied something. A candied, exactly, yeah. Like or crumbled crumbled amber on top of some, that. Oh, have fun with this. Go Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn made pork tenderloin with black garlic sauce, pecan crumble, and sweet potato puree. Oh, this, sounds sounds, this sounds so lovely. Oh, and I love Evelyn, great. so I'm biased yeah, she, towards the dish. So good. I, I do want to say that I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but there is like in every episode, garlic. And, you know, black garlic is a good ingredient, but it's a, and in fact, in, in, when I, you know, they let you bring, I was like 10 or 12 ingredients from home, and almost every chef brought black garlic, including me. Um, and it's such an intense flavor and it does build umami, but at the same time, it can really wreck your taste buds and overpower anything else that's in a dish. And so, I really am. Surprised. Oh, there's so much black garlic in a lot of these dishes. I think, I think maybe the last episode was the only episode where black garlic wasn't specifically said out loud. But I just, I bet there's a decent chance there it was snuck in there somewhere. I know the, it's, the, it's like the on vogue ingredient right now. The the because <laughs> you're never going to get it. Um, see, that was a, uh, so the. Um, uh, the very first time I had, sorry, uh, the, I'll let myself out. The, the, the very first time I had black garlic, there's a, there's a Korean barbecue place in Koreatown in LA. And their specialty there is they have eight kinds of marinated pork belly. And one of the, they have like a, they have like a miso one, they have a red wine one, they have a black garlic one. And I'd never had black garlic before. And, uh, so I, that was one, and I think we got like a flight of four kinds of pork belly, and that was one of the ones we got. And I was surprised that it wasn't, it didn't have the same flavor profile as I'm used to from regular old garlic. 
Um, so it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, so it's something I've been like trying to seek out more because we don't have a lot of it in West Michigan. I'm never going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Not you, can, you can certainly order it online and it's really not that hard to make either. Um, it's really pretty easy to make. Um, it's really just a, a pretty simple fermenting, fermenting process. It takes some time, but it's not, it doesn't take that long or that much, much effort to make it. But it's, I mean, it's a cool ingredient. It's just, I've just been so surprised at how, how much it's appearing in all these, all these chef's dishes. Yeah. It, it seems like every, uh, every season there's a, that, that ingredient that I think it was, I can't remember which season it was like every dish had carrots. Every, 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 not every dish, but at least every episode seemed like four or five dishes had carrots. I'm trying to remember. I think it was like the, the most recent California season, but it was like, yeah, definitely black garlic is the one for your, I'm actually Googling black garlic on, uh, on Amazon. It looks like I can get a hold of quite a bit. So there's a farm stand around, not, not really around the corner for me, but like around the corner enough that sells it. And we've been like dying to stop and buy it, but we're just not sure what to do with it. Once we have it in our hands. Yeah. If, if, when you get black garlic, taste the tiniest bit of it by itself. And then you will understand sort of the incredible intensity of it. But it's a really good way to like, you can sneak it into sauces, but the same sort of the same regular garlic can turn a good dish into a disaster. If there's too much of it in it, black garlic is even like that intensified, like tenfold. I mean, it can really just overpower a dish very very quickly but it's a great ingredient it's a fun one to use um you know sometimes sometimes it is like sometimes top chef is like an echo chamber especially if people are bringing the same things you know it was weird like the first three episodes there were like three different spring rolls from three different chefs or um you know it does seem to me like um um luke lots of nori lots of kombu lots of miso almost every dish he has is there's kelp and almost every one of them. It's an awesome way to get good flavors into food, but you know, you don't want to have, you know, you don't want your, your dishes to all taste like they're based in a similar kind of profile. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, and then Jackson finishes off this meal with a fudgy uh, cocoa cake with sweet potato, pecan and raspberry blood. Like we said, it's very visually like the most, the most fitting to the challenge. And Tom was excited to see it. And I think they were just excited to get something like a little different. I love, I love when the top chef people would like branch out and get a dessert. I need something sweet to end every single meal, even breakfast. And this one, there was no, unless I was mistaken, there wasn't a single winner. It was like the entire, the entire team yeah. was one and the entire team gets to go to the red carpet premiere of Jurassic World, colon, would, Dominion. Would you rather go to the world premiere of this? Or go to the world premiere of Trolls like Gregory won in Top Chef All-Stars. Oh, this. Come on. <laughs> Can you imagine? I forgot about that one. Because <laughs> would, would they, they had to make, didn't they have to make dishes inspired by different types of music? Uh, so what they had to do was Kelly Kirkson came to the kitchen and there was like sections of food that were like certain colors and they had to like have one food from each color and like make a dish. I'm sure there was something about 
like harmonies and composition yeah, and lots was, of music related terms. It was uh, not one of the better ones. What could I say? Uh, yeah. So we see the Brown team win this one and we see um, the, the red team being the bottom with Joe going home um, between the green and the red. They were kind of having a hard time, but they kind of decided that Joe and Jay's both were bad enough to sink that team and Joe's was the worst. Um, I'm sad to see Joe go. I feel like she had more in the tank. I feel like this is one of those situations where it's like one bad week and, and you're done and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised that she didn't go further. Um, she'd had, mm -hmm. I feel like, a series of uh, kind of off weeks. Like She did fine last week, but I'm just kind of looking back to the note. She was in the bottom for the brisket challenge um, where where Ashley had gone home. I thought maybe she was going to go home then. Uh, but but yeah, it's it, it surprised me that she didn't go further because I think at least from the first few episodes I think, you know, all of us were thinking that she's going to go deep. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I'm, I'm sad to see her go. And, you know, but maybe she has a chance in Last Chance Kitchen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's what I thought. Not so much, unfortunately. I mean, she had a chance. She had a last chance. Yeah. In the kitchen. Um, uh, you know, because she went home for the barbecue stuffed quail, they just had to make a dish that featured something stuffed. Um, and she's up against Sarah, who is the reigning champ of LCK. And I have a feeling if if she hadn't forgotten to get uh, or if she, if she hadn't ended up with uh, Ashley's okra in the second round of the return to last chance kitchen, she may have come back again. Uh, but I feel like Ashley's leftover ingredients didn't give her much option. Anyway, I'm replaying the past. Um, yeah, I know. Look, I got to say that watching that, that when Ashley comes back, watching that at a last chance kitchen, I like, Sometimes the cards just fall in your favor, but that had to be like one of the, I mean, just an incredible stroke of luck that, you know, in the three minutes that she has to shop, she only picks like four things and one person forgets salt and her dish was, you know, obviously, okay, Tom liked those pickled okra seeds, but to me that you could see her like, like throw garnish on that at the end and like, I'm not sure that's exactly what she wanted to make, but then, you know, okay, switch stations and, you know, what do you leave the other person with? You, grits and okra and onions you know like she really she she, she got really lucky on that one because i, I yeah. tend to agree i think that 
you know, if the if with some more ingredients, it might have had a different outcome. Well, I mean, at least in this pace, Sarah is doing well in the one-on-one competition. So maybe she's doing well in smaller groups. So let's have her potentially come back in when the competition set is smaller, when it gets down to four or five people. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how far she advances. But, you know, winning, if, winning three or four or five in a row to get back in is, is going to be tough, though, especially as the eliminated chefs continue to get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she's still in it for now. Yeah. Um, she so for the stuffed dish, she made a rice dumpling stuffed with odong and wild mushrooms, and Joe made a caponata stuffed delicata squash. Um, and Sarah's came out on top. Um, I'm gonna exp- uh, od- odong is a noodle. What is odong? I think it's an alternate spelling of the same thing. Maybe okay. I'm maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think it is like a glutinous rice noodle. Like I, I, I didn't show the interior of that dumpling at all. I was really hoping they would because I couldn't. T- I thought she was saying udon, but then like the 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 captions it was spelled differently than I would normally spell it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it is noodles. She said it was rice yeah. stuff, stuffed in rice with the, the fat, and I think that maybe that maybe it's like a Filipino way of like cooking rice noodles in like offal and like tallow and other i'm not the most sure but it was i'm not the most sure because i remember, i think this was the one where she was saying it was like rice stuffed with rice mm-hmm. is how she had described it so um i was a little bit concerned because at this this point i'm just rooting to see how far she can go um but uh yeah she, the tom preferred the rice stuffed rice to the stuffed delicata squash. It sounded like the squash, like I know that, that Joe was kind of having it in a couple of different ways, unsure of how it was going to best cook. And I think she ended up going for the option where it was kind of cut like right down the middle, like as opposed to lengthwise. Um, and I think Tom's opinion was that it didn't, it could have used a little bit more cooking. The squash didn't really eat all that well. But uh, we have Sarah winning again. And advancing to the 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 episode eight. Next episode, Restaurant Wars. Oh, I'm so scared. Yeah, I didn't watch the previews, but I just assumed it was going to be Restaurant Wars because we are down to eight. Did that? Did the previews confirm that? Yeah, yeah. They were like Restaurant Wars. Tiffany's back. We're Restaurant Warring, and it was. Um, I'm scared. Restaurant. Oh, yeah. So it's a little bit of a different setup this season, Kurt. So they're doing kind of the chef's table like they did last season with the judges. Which I really liked that. But they're also doing a dinner service at the same time. Oh, but the restaurant can see, still see the chefs. So it's a little Hell's Kitcheny, in that. The there's in Shell's kitchen. There's sometimes VIP guests in the kitchen with the chefs, but then everybody else in the restaurant yeah. can see the stuff. Chefs also. That's what's happening. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I felt too. Like it's like I would rather than pick one or the other. I very yeah. much loved the setup last year of of the chef's table. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can only we can, we can only we'll, wait and see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember, Jim, if we talked to you about the the chef's table experience and last. I can't remember if you were before or after that when we chatted. But what what, what was? Do you remember your take on the chef's table setup for top for uh, restaurant wars? Thank restaurant you, wars. restaurant wars. I couldn't. I can't remember the phrase. Yeah, I really, I really do like that setup, and I think that if they're doing 
uh, a chef's table while they're doing the rest of the dinner service too. Now, is, is are all the diners going to get the same chefs, like the same progression? I mean, maybe so. Um, Great question. But, but it will be a lot like, it'll be more like a real restaurant service. I mean, we do a tasting menu in my restaurant every day. And so, you know, you never know, like one table is going to have a, a tasting menu, which is five courses. You know, the table next to them is eating like oysters and appetizers or, you know, like, and so it just, it will make it more of a restaurant type experience. And if the judges are in a place where they can see what is going on with how the kitchen is operating while they're in the middle of their tasting menu, it, it could be really interesting. It, it will, would be more like an actual restaurant service that does that kind of a tasting menu option. I think they're going to get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain at how smoothly the kitchen is running. If oh, that, there's a real restaurant yeah, that'd be cool. to serve. Um, and they didn't have servers last year. Like they, they brought the dishes to the tables themselves, correct? During yeah. the, during the uh, yeah. Yes. Um, so I think that's, that's always a hiccup at some point. It seems like one team always has some issue with training the servers. And then yells at them. <laughs> oh, it's my least favorite part as a former server. It like makes my brain bleed. Like just because of like they they just started this. They probably just hired them off a temp surface. They don't know. It's so hard to learn a menu like that. It's so hard. Ugh, it stresses me out. It stresses me out. Mm. Yeah. It is it is kind of nice that I mean uh, last year there was, you know, there's no emphasis on, you know, if you screw up as the front of the house manager, mm-hmm. are you going to go home? Which is obviously important to running a restaurant, but, you know, lots of people don't do that anymore. And so it's it's not, you don't have to be able to do that to be a good chef. And it does make it more about the food and less about service. But at the same time, that was part of the fun of it all, really. It was watching the, the chefs try to take care of the dining room at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling the the rest of the the dining room is going to be able to order off the menu, but not get the tasting experience. Whereas the chef's table right. probably is going to get a little bit of everything. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Well, Jim, what have you been eating this week? What exciting things? Or making? Or making? Yeah. What, yeah. Well, what have you been serving? That's delicious. Tell us everything. Yeah. Well, I mentioned the lamb earlier. That's the new dish on the menu. And I really do love it because we are doing a uh, Marcona almond and herb crust on a whole rack of lamb. We have these really tiny little racks of lamb, which are so beautiful, but we're doing a, you know, you get that a great kind of crunchy crust on the outside of it. And we're serving that with some uh, Tunisian couscous, which is awesome. What we have is smaller than Israeli couscous, but bigger mm-hmm. than African couscous. It's a really cool couscous. And we're doing a uh, some a little bit of charred fennel and we finally got our first squash and zucchini of the year so we're having adding some squash and zucchini in that as well and that is being served with a uh uh like a tamarind gastrique on there lots of you know lots of mint and dill and uh fennel fronds on top of that dish that i i really i'm glad we yesterday was the first day we ran in and got great response from it really cool currently serve alligator boudin in the restaurant which is a, a fun thing um you know, boudin mm. is that Louisiana sausage that's made with lots of innards and rice. And uh, what we're serving has alligator meat in it. And we take it and we make it into balls with, uh, we add some egg and a bunch of extra herbs into the, into the boudin itself. And then wrap it in panko and deep fry it. And then it's served with a, a, a salad of like arugula and strawberries and like cane syrup. And so that's a really fun dish that we're serving. Those are a couple of my, well, I really do feel like, you know, first opening the restaurant, it takes some time to get your staff trained to a level where you trust them and like doing more and more complicated and interesting dishes. But now I really do 
the kitchen staff and the front of the house has been here, most of them for the full two years that we've been open, where we can really do things like, all right, today, guess what? We're adding this lamb dish to the menu. And I can, I trust them enough to be able to add in, in ways which make me proud as a chef owner of a restaurant. And it allows us to do more exciting things on a daily basis. So, yeah, those are two things that I'm really excited about right now on our menu. It's, it's almost summertime, which means we're, you know, right around the corner from tomatoes and okra and all sorts of peaches and all the great summertime produce. Uh, I've been, I feel like I've been cooking collard greens. Well, every time it gets to be this time of year between collards and mustard and turnips, you know, you just feel like, okay, I'm so ready to get out of potato and turnip season and into all of the fresh peas and tomato season of it all. And uh, all of that's coming up right around the corner. So I'm excited. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but what do you do for your own meals? Like, are you a cook at home kind of guy? Are you a, I'm going to just get something from a local, another local restaurant or even my, your own restaurant? Like what's, what are how do you, how does Jim eat? Well, I, because of the way in which these past two years have worked, I, most of my meals happen in the restaurant just because here. I still am here pretty much every day from you know 830 in the morning until 10 or 11 at night. And, you know, I mean, not that that's bad. It is my, it's been my dream to own my own restaurant forever. And, you know, that's part of the, especially in the middle of a pandemic, there's, that's what you got to do to make, to make it work. Um, But I spend a lot of time tasting. Honestly, in the morning, one of my favorite things to eat is we almost always have leftover biscuits from the night before. I usually come in in the mornings and we'll make a biscuit with some like sunny side up eggs, but then I love to cover it in like a, just a simple arugula salad with, Sherry vinaigrette. That, that's 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 probably what I eat the most during the day, uh, like for breakfast, like right when I first get to work. You know, at home, cooking at home is difficult. Like uh, my Tracy, my wife just got an air fryer, so we play with that some. Um, and I know people really love those things, but I'm I'm not the most sold on it. Uh, it's very easy to like. You're like, oh yeah, this is. Well, let's just cook pizza in, it. and you're like, oh wait, no, why? You know, like it doesn't work as well as you think it should. Um, but I, you know, at home, I, I try to cook, but there's one thing that I know lots of chefs and I'm one of them. Like when you cook professionally and you have like real commercial equipment, it works really well. Like when you go home and like I have an electric range, which is just terrible and like a wave and the oven and barely, you know, it's just like yeah. a, a, a standard <laughs> yeah. kitchen and you're just like so frustrated. You're like your counter space is this big and you have little mixing bowls. It just doesn't work as well as, you know, like. When I'm cooking, I want like a big mixing bowl and a whip yeah. that really whisk stuff with. And so it, I find it frustrating to cook at home, but I do, we try our best to eat at independent restaurants and support the other local businesses that are like us. And that's my, my favorite thing to do is to cook food that other people eat. Uh, I, I don't really like, it's just, I'm always happy to cook for Tracy at home and, but but I don't like being at home and feeling like I'm at work. And that is something that I think probably most chefs struggle with. Imagine. Yeah. I've never, like I've always totally understood that aspect of it, but I've never even considered like I am used to good equipment and my oven is shit. Like I've never like thought about that. Cause you're probably not the only one. That's it's, like so going, it's, funny. Like, it's like going home and cooking on like easy bake oven equipment. And you're like, <laughs> like seriously, like I, I, that's how I feel about this air fryer. Like, I'm, people, they're the rage. And I, I, we've I, love, got one. I love my air and, fryer. There are things that you can make really well. And look, I do like the fact that you can turn it on and it preheats really quickly versus yeah. like my electric oven. You, it takes like 30 minutes for it to hit 350 degrees. And you're like, oh, God, like in the, in the commercial kitchen, you just turn the switch in like five minutes. You're at like 425 yeah. if you need to. So, I, you know, it's 
I, I enjoy cooking at home. And if I wasn't like in the kitchen cooking every day, I would probably be more comfortable like cooking at home. But it's not really like that. Yeah. I'll have to send you pictures of my electric bacon toaster in action, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Kurt, what did you eat this week? I ate a lot of bacon. Uh, Cooks bacon in four minutes. You put it, you like feed it in the top like a toaster oven? It's a picture, a a, a foreman grill, but instead of opening up, it it folds out like it's like if you have a suitcase, you kind of fold the suitcase to the side. (laughs) Yeah. and then there's like a middle prong in the center and you drape the bacon over this prong. Or maybe it's better to think of like a, of a, like a vertical waffle iron, okay. but with a, metal, with a metal plate in between the top and bottom layers so that you, you drape the bacon over it. You close the two halves up like a suitcase and then it's kind of so it presses it from multiple angles for, and then the grease drips down into a little tray. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good actually. It was a Christmas present. That's I got cool. I was I was kind of imagining. You ever seen those hot dog toasters where you put like the uh, bun on the top? Yeah, that, that's what I was imagining. Uh, you you feed it through like a pasta uh, cutter oh uh, gosh, or, yes. or maker. Um, I'll I'll send you a picture. Um, but no, I, I so I I had some bacon. I um I've eaten a lot, out a lot this week. I actually have a, a meal kit coming uh, this week, so maybe I'll have something more exciting to talk about uh, during our next episode. Uh, but for, I went out for a, an early Easter dinner on Saturday evening, uh, with my mom and we were hoping that they would have lamb at the restaurant we went to, but they did not. I ended up having, there were these, um, kind of these Gruyere coquettes, uh, croquettes that were, were decent. Um, there was like little shoe pastries, but made with like peppered with or sprinkled with Gruyere. Um, yeah, that's what it was Gougeres. Thank you. They were Gougeres. Gruyere yeah. Gougeres. That's yeah. what they were. Yeah. Well done, sir. <laughs> uh, and then um, the the soup was this weird. Uh, it was like Fuji apple and tomato bisque uh, with a with some uh, like some kale or spinach in there, um, which it was it, it was good. And I got this uh, chicken parmesan salt and boca sandwich, um, which was decent. You know, salt um, salt and boca means jumps off the plate and into your mouth, I think is the literal translation from Italian there. It's, I, luckily, I could it be wrong, not, but I think that's close to it. It did not do that. Um, <laughs> and actually, I was surprised. I only it was, and I was only able to eat half of it. I have the other half for, uh, for uh, lunch tomorrow. And then, um, but then I also got takeout on, uh, on, for lunch yesterday uh, from a place called Tupelo Honey, which is kind of Southern food. And I got a couple of uh, biscuits. I got uh, sriracha chicken and waffles and uh, honey dusted chicken with sriracha sauce and and waffles and uh, goat cheese grits. Um, So that was all very tasty. Don't know if I would do the sriracha chicken and waffles again. It wasn't uh, the waffles were a little bit dry and the sriracha and the chicken was kind of sparse. Uh, but Ch- chicken and waffles is not my favorite. Like I, I know that I understand the infatuation with them, but they're always just either missing something. Like chicken and syrup is great, waffles and syrup are great. Usually, those are two kind of dry things if you're not careful, and then you just make it not dry by adding syrup on it. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's just not my favorite thing. Yeah, I'll have it maybe once a year, and then it takes like a year for me to forget how disenchanted I am by it, and then I'll get it again. <laughs> so this is my 2022 chicken and waffle moment. <laughs> 
Um, I didn't have like a particularly exciting food week, I'd say. Um, we did break out the barbecue for the first time this year. We're we're in second full spring up here in Canada. Um and so it was exciting to to do that. We did some roasted carrots out there and then, you know, some chicken. Um, I made marshmallows the other day. I have done that before. I used a different recipe this time. Uh, and this time it was much stickier, which um, made me want to cry while cleaning up. I almost I was very close to having a breakdown when my my poor hand mixer had gotten marshmallow up in one of the little uh you know, prong holes and yeah. I almost cried. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a screwdriver and like tried to stick it in there and like, you know, whatever. Um, my favorite thing I ate this week though, I went to my first Blue Jays game since like April of 2019. Oh. Ooh, and I had a Schneider's foot long. Damn, those things hold <laughs> up. Oh, it was so good. It was perfection. It was the best hot dog I've ever eaten and it was a thrill. Nice. I, I have been experimenting, like, and I apologize if I talked about this in a previous episode, Haley, with luster dust. You have not been talking about <laughs> luster dust. I would remember that. Jim, you know luster dust? I, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like very fine food grade edible glitter. And I think I might have sent you the photo, the video of the drink that was all shimmery and swirly. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's so what, it, that's what we did. In the, we did we did a luster dust, dust cocktail in the restaurant a, a few months ago for sure. And it's uh, that that gets everywhere if you're not careful. And um, the if anybody is familiar with hypnotic uh, liqueur, uh, then it's 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 the it's the thing that makes it all shimmery and swirly. Um, but yeah, it's it's I got like an eight pack of uh small little luster dust containers each a different color because i did not realize until i bought it that you kind of have to color match like you can't just oh, put... or else it'll turn out brown no 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 that was a rum and oh, coke okay. it was supposed to be brown <laughs> <laughs> no but the thing is i got for like you make if you want like the rum and coke to be to be you know shimmery you have to put the brown luster dust in there like that right. was one of the colors that came right. so like i like you can't just put orange luster dust into I, but I'm just going to keep saying luster dust because it's fun. <laughs> um, you can't put the orange dust into just water and expect a shimmery drink. You kind of have to color match. Put it the, in orange juice. <laughs> which I did. I put it in peach juice uh, this morning just to see the effect. Um, so you, you, so that's been something I've been just kind of playing around with. Trying to get the right measurements. But yeah. And I got a new coffee maker also. So oh, uh, yeah, just random. I don't know. I've not tried making shimmery coffee. I don't know if that well, would go well. Maybe don't. I would say maybe advise. I'd I'd personally advise against that one. Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jim, where can people find you on the internet if you want to be found on the internet and or at your restaurant in person? Oh, hey, wait. Can I can I yes. do something real quick? Please. Um, when I was listening to the first episode of y'all doing Top Chef, the the recaps th this season, y'all were making this joke about uh, sirloin. Y'all remember that? Oh, the knighted. Like there's this, there's this regular line. Uh oh, Jim is walking away from it. His his. We're talking about we're talking about what the difference between loin and sirloin was. We thought one was just knighted, but Jim has uh, walked away from the camera. It's like beckons. Oh no, what's he got? He's coming back to the camera. Oh my! Okay. Sorry about that. Diggity it's dog. okay. You're good. Um, I have this hanging in my restaurant, and it's hanging. It's. There's no doors to the kitchen, so it's hanging in a place where I can see if somebody walks by and reads this. And for two years, I have fully expected somebody to walk by this and laugh. 
And, you know, like I, I'm going to do something nice for them when somebody walks by and laughs and says, oh, I get that. But this is uh, when I saw this online, I was like, oh, I've got to have that for the restaurant. People will think that's great. And so this is a real clipping from the uh, Illustrated London News from uh, 1854. And it is Charles II uh, knighting a loin of beef. And so, you know, it's it is an actual I dub the sirloin joke. I will take a picture of this and send it to you. Please um, do. And it, 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 nobody has walked by the restaurant and even looked at it or laughed. It's, it's, it's hanging. So it, it's hanging at eye level. And it's the spot where everyone, you, you don't have to have to walk by it, but if you go to the, the back of the restaurant or to the restrooms, you pass this. And like literally in two years and tons of guests, no one has ever walked by and said, okay, that is hilarious. <laughs> Um, but you know, so this is a, you know a real clipping from the Illustrated London News from you know 1854. And it's not like the rest of the Hummingbird Way is decorated with clippings from the London Illustrated. <laughs> like this kind of stands out as unique. And yes, yeah, yeah. nobody has enjoyed the humor of a knighting of a piece of meat. Beef puns incredibly underappreciated around here. That yeah. does feel like our our shtick, though. Beef puns, <laughs> yes. food puns in general is quite up our alley. Where can yeah. people Where can people find this in real life? Like, where can people come see? Oh yes, the Hummingbird Way is located in Mobile, Alabama. We are in the Oakley Historic District. You know, this restaurant um, has been a either a grocery store or a restaurant since 1940. And it has an attached building to it, which will be a wine cellar and private dining room soon, which was built in 1870. So it is a very historic building right in the heart of downtown Mobile, Alabama. Uh, we serve tons of good stuff, you know, um, and we get a lot of tourists here, you know, the cruise ship stock here. We're the birthplace of Mardi Gras in America. We were the original French capital of the United States. So there's that sort of deep old school French history here. Uh, and in fact, the, the French lost the French and Indian War and then relocated to New Orleans from Mobile. And so it is a, a real cool old port city in Mobile. Oh, that actually reminds me. Uh, one, more, one more quick story uh, is that a, a guest booked a reservation online and he, he wrote on the reservation note that he heard me on a podcast and wanted to come and eat at the restaurant. And so... Uh, when, when he came in, I made sure to ask, you know, I do, I do a handful of podcasts and some kind of regularly. And I said, so you know, what, what, when, where did you hear it? Where did you, which podcast did you listen to? And he said, oh, he said, I'm a giant fan of RHAP. I, I love listening. And, you know, and I said, oh, that, that is freaking awesome. Me too. And uh, I, we were so swamped. I didn't really have to. Him. I felt really bad about it. But, you know, it, it was it was really great to hear somebody say, I, I listen to RHAP and, and uh, your podcast on the show. And that's why I'm at your restaurant. And so. Those those things are important and meaningful, and I I, I enjoy talking to y'all, and it's it's good to know that somebody else out there enjoys listening to me babble about sirloin and and food and stuff. Um, but I, I'm very easy to like, friend, and follow on social media. I am pretty good about responding to requests. I have made it my mission over the next several months to be way more active on social media. Um, so it, it, for me, it's all of my. Chef Jim Smith and the restaurant's name is at, is at the Hummingbird Way. And so it's very easy to find me on social media. So please reach out, follow, ask questions. Like I say, I'm usually pretty good. If you DM my uh, Instagram or whatever, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good responder, even if I haven't posted anything in a week. 
I actually saw a Reddit thread this week that was like, I'm rewatching like Top Chef Charleston and I love Chef Jim. And like a couple of the comments, like every comment was like, I love Chef Jim. And then one of them was like, sometimes he'll go on the RHAP podcast. And I like messaged, I was like, he's coming on this week, actually. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear that at least one person has like made the jump over from the RHAP podcast, the Hummingbird way. You know, well, let us let it. Hey, listeners, if you go there, let us know. Take pictures, yeah. send them to us, please, 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 please. Hey, I, I kind of have to say one more thing that's RHAP related. I, for years, have not watched Australian uh, any of the international survivors because I, I just like I knew they were going to come to America sometime. And as soon as they hit um, Paramount, I was like, yes, it was, it was right before season 42 started. I was like, I'm going to start marathoning all this Australian survivor. <laughs> How far did you get before they yanked it? <laughs> I made it through two seasons, which I absolutely loved. I mean, the, like, I, I don't know when I've been there so much as I enjoyed watching these Australians heartbroken when they took it away. I was like, I was, uh, I thought something was wrong. I kept like, ref- I like deleted the app oh, and reloaded no. it. And I was like, wait, where did it go? Like, uh, why is it not on here anymore? And so, uh, you know, Paramount plus, you oh. know, bring back my international survivor. So. I, re- I remember that Sandra was like heavily pushing Paramount plus because her season was going to be on there. And then they yanked it like one episode in. So painful. Oh. <laughs> Kurt, where do people? All right, well, that, that's, the that's all the random. That's all the random rantings I have uh, that, that are unrelated to Top Chef. So it's all good. It's, it's, it's all good. Thank y'all so much for having me back on. It's been a pleasure as always. You know we love having you on. Yeah, we do. We do definitely do. Uh, if if you want to follow me, I am at Kurt Clark with two C's. Um, Follow me on Instagram if you want to see what I'm eating. Follow me on Untapped if you want to see what I'm drinking. Follow me on Twitter if you want to see what I'm tweeting. Uh, if you find me on OnlyFans, let me know because that's not me. Um, other than that, uh, yeah. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HStrong underscore. You can check out what I'm reading on my bookstagram at The Strong Library. If you want to listen to more of my voice, I joined uh, Tori and my Bachelor co-host Amy on the Ready to Be Petty podcast this week and that was a lot of fun if you like pop culture um, and general Bachelor uh, news. So that was a fun one. Uh, until next time, pack your knives and head on out. Bye! Bye! It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.